Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. This is going to be a combo Rockets Thunder postgame show and just our regular show because we got some Astros conversation coming up. Joining me, as always, my co-host and fellow H-Town sports junkie, Stephen Kerr. And we'll start off with the Rockets because they blow yet another one final score, 117-114. Stephen, all the hope, all of that hope that we were going to see a different Rockets team after the first two games in this postseason, it's over with as far as I'm concerned. In my opinion, it is. The series may not be over with, but the hope we had, at least at this point, is, Robert. And, you know, we thought game three was painful. I mean, my goodness, I, I think this is worse because the Rockets had it in their pocket. The, the way they were raining threes in the third quarter, the, the types of shots they were taking. And then all of a sudden, not only were they starting to miss shots, I mean, you can't expect them to reel off three-pointers, you know, game after game after game. It's just not going to happen. But it was the shot selection that bothered me in the fourth quarter. What is James Harden doing shooting from 35 feet out? And and the passes, the, the passing just, in, especially in that fourth quarter, was terrible. And Harden is just as guilty as anyone for that. I mean, the Rockets looked gassed, but so did the Thunder. Both, both teams were, were sagging out there. But the Thunder just had, they just, they were hungrier than the Rockets, obviously. They wanted it more. They got it. And now the series is even at 2-2, so where do we go from here? Were they hungrier, or were they just playing smarter? Well, it could be either way. Well, they certainly were playing smarter, because as I said, the Rockets were were not taking smart shots, and they were just making some awful passes. I mean, it's almost as if they totally lost their concentration after hitting eight straight three-pointers in the third. Things were looking good. They had a 15-point lead. But, yeah, the, the Thunder started hitting their shots, and they were definitely making better decisions. You said it. I mean, it's playoff James Harden. We know it. He's back. That's not good. Three or four, I counted, 28 or 30-foot threes or whatever. I mean, they were way out there. He's guarded. Uh, that was late in the third, early in the fourth quarter. You mentioned him throwing the ball away, that late throwaway with 56 seconds left on, a, on just a lazy pass to Eric Gordon when every point counts. And to not see Gallinari coming up there. And I mean, just you, you've got to be watching that thing. And it's just one of those, you know, heel pass where he's just kind of flips it up ahead and doesn't kind of think. I mean, this is the James Hard that I get sick and tired of. And I, I hate to keep harping on it, but this is what separates him. This is why other players, other great players around the league make fun of the guy. And then you've got D'Antoni, who's playoff D'Antoni again because he didn't help things. After a good job of minutes distribution that you and I spoke about, Stephen, he's back right. to the old D'Antoni. He played 43 minutes. He played Harden for 43 minutes. After Harden had just played well over 40 in the last game, I know it was an overtime game, but Harden fouled out early in OT, so he didn't play much in OT. D'Antoni and Harden, they just choke in the playoffs. End of story. I mean, I hate to be that mean about it. They're great regular season guys, but in the playoffs, D'Antoni and Harden, that's who they are, and this series should be over with. Well, in the defense, Robert, and we've talked about that in the first two games, just how well the Rockets played defensively. Yeah, I know the Thunder made some tough shots, but the defense just wasn't there. And this is, and, and I'm, I know I'm sounding like a broken record too, but I, I can't help but say it again. It's like the Rockets tease us into thinking, okay, we've changed our philosophy. We're going to be more of a, you know, spread it out, 
better ball handling, taking better shots, going to the hoop strong kind of team. They teased us with that in the first two games. But then it's as if somebody just pushes a button and says, okay, we're tired of that. Yeah, that worked for a while, but we need to go back to what we were doing before. And they go back to the Rockets that, yes, they made a bunch of threes, but not when it mattered most. And they started making mistakes. And that is what has cost them the last two games of this series. And it's a shame because you didn't get the Jeff Green that we've seen maybe the first three games in this series, but he was still good. And you're getting a, a, a just a, a bonus with whatever Jeff Green gives you. And he gives you 32 minutes, another double-digit game, 10 points. Eric Gordon, I'm going to get to him in a second. But P.J. Tucker gave you double digits. Robert Covington, after more or less being absent the first three games, finally shows up a little bit, goes four for eight from three, uh, does make a couple of defensive. Uh, he, he does a couple of defensive things, but... I, I still want to see more out of him defensively because, you know, you paid a lot for Robert Covington. Daniel House gave you another solid game, 21 points from Daniel House. He was 8 of 15. He was 4 for 10 from 3. You couldn't ask much more from what you, what you got from House. Had a had a bad call. I thought it was just a stupid call on him by the refs at one point in this game where, you know, the, basically the, the Thunder player just elbows him and, and then somehow it's it's Daniel House's fault when he was running straight ahead with nobody in his way. But let's get to Eric Gordon, Stephen. I mean, I, I just don't know what else to say. Eric Gordon, you know, finally starts hitting threes. But in the fourth quarter, he starts falling in love with it again. And, you know, I, I want to see him go to the basket. He throws the pass to Jeff Green. Yeah, that might have been on Jeff Green. But overall, you know, he's missing those three-pointers where he was just – it was working when he was going to the basket earlier in the game. Yeah, it was, Robert, and I'm glad you said that because, yeah, it, it's almost as if Gordon thought, okay, I found my touch, now I can start going from three, but I really like it when he goes to the hoop. He had a steal and a score on, on Chris Paul that uh, I believe made the score 42-37 Rockets. He had some other moves, but, you know, and he made back-to-back threes early in the third, but then he took it to the hoop, you know, that uh, put the Rockets up by eight. So, you know, he had, I guess, a so-so game just when you thought he was starting to get some things back. Then he starts missing threes again, and unfortunately, it just came at the worst possible time. The Rockets got crushed again at the free throw line. I mean, that's something that you can talk about. Well, you know, they don't have Russell Westbrook, so he gets you some free throws, and, and I get that. But James Harden only had five free throws. That tells me he's not going to the basket, and I'm going to give Lou Dort a lot of credit because he's forcing Harden to, you know, try not to go to the basket sometimes, just shoot from outside. Some of that, some some part of that's Lou Dort, and he's just playing good, solid defense. But the Rockets are sending them to the line way too much. They, Steven, who do they have that should be going to the foul line? They went to the foul line 28 times. Yeah, that's crazy. And, and the thing about Dort is that, you know, they got him into foul trouble. But he couldn't pick up that sixth foul, and he was on the floor. I think when he had uh, three fouls, they were still keeping him in the game. And at least in the first half, he wasn't much of a factor. But in the second half, yep, he did become a factor. Uh, yeah, way too many free throws by the Thunder. And the Rockets, you know, typically they, they shoot more three free, free throws, easy for me to say, than they would have had a better chance. Same in game three. But uh, it, it just... Yeah, I don't know. The the referees have certainly called some interesting games. I know we've we've talked about that in our last post game podcast. You and I were talking about the last time. Well, 
you know, why is there more free throws in the bubble? And, and I finally have a theory on that. I, I think when you don't have the crowd and the noise of the crowd, the referees are hearing every slap, every little thing, and every grunt, every player screaming when they, they, they go to the basket and, you know, try to, you know, throw in their histrionics and everything. You're getting all, that's my theory anyway. Well, you know what? You might be right, Robert. And let me go to one example. You know, the, the challenge that D'Antoni had in the fourth quarter on Eric Gordon when uh, Eric said he went straight up, you could hear him yell, I went straight up. And D'Antoni challenged it and happened to win the challenge, and they called an offensive foul on Gallinari. That's, that's an interesting theory, I, I might have to say. And I'm sure you're going to get to the uh, D'Antoni challenge, but I, I definitely have something to say about that when we get to it. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm looking through the numbers. There's nothing else that really sticks out in, it, in anything that's very dramatically. I mean, I just don't see anything that jumps off the page at me. I mean, you got six rockets and double figures. Offense was not the problem. You, you talked about it earlier, Stephen. It's, it's defense. What, what did you want to say about the D'Antoni challenge, though? Well, you know, we've criticized Mike D'Antoni for a number of things, but there's one thing that we can't find too much fault with him in, and that's challenges. I think he's only lost one during the bubble. He hasn't lost any in the playoffs. I mean, that was kind of a questionable challenge. I thought maybe that uh, he, it might not go his way, but it did. Mike D'Antoni probably needs to give Bill O'Brien a call and give him some pointers on challenging because he's got that right for sure, Robert. Right, and it's not uh, a Bill O'Brien strong point. Obviously, we know that, but uh, <laughs> Mike D'Antoni, that, that's one of the things that he gets right. You know, I just... D'Antoni and Harden, one of those guys uh, has got to start being better. As One of them's got to be better as a coach. The other one's – but I think in the end, th- this is all about James Harden. And we can I, – I, 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 mean, I just keep saying this after every postseason game now, it seems like, every big postseason game for years. It's just I, – I, I just don't know what else to say. I mean, he's got to get – it's not about he's got to get better. He's so talented. He can do so many things. It's just – play smart basketball. Yeah, I don't think it's his physical talent at all, Robert. I just think a lot of it is in his head. You know, the mental game, we we may talk about it, maybe we over-discuss it sometimes, but the mental game is a very important part of the game. That's when you either make mistakes or you make the big plays. It's It's how you prepare yourself mentally, not just for every game, but every shot, every turning point. And I just feel like James Harden hasn't, learn the art of doing that. I mean, I don't know if that's the cause of of his inconsistencies, especially on defense and especially with the decisions of some of the shots he takes. Whatever it is, I just feel like the mental side of his game is what is hurting him more than anything else. You talked about defense with Harden. We saw him do it the first two games. I keep saying it. We have evidence that's on tape of James Harden playing good defense at the end of this game, there was another one of those plays where Chris Paul, 35-year-old Chris Paul, who shouldn't be able to get by much of anybody that's James Harden athletic capability, you know, it just shouldn't happen. It just should not happen. And he just blew by him like he was standing still again, 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 again. Well, what it's going to come down to, Robert, is the team who is most consistent is the team that's going to win this series. And now, you know, it's 2-2. It's, it's not over yet. But it really should have been over these last two games. The Rockets were in position to win, and they just let it slip away from them because of mistakes. Pure and simple.
And I and when I think about James Harden, I just I I don't know if you had a chance to to watch the uh, Sunday game with Luca, who the legend grows, and it was just... I saw the end of it. I I saw part of the fourth quarter, but yeah, it was it was quite something to watch. The whole game was incredible. They they fall by, behind by I think twenty five in the first quarter or second quarter, and then they make the comeback. The Mavs do, uh, and it's just it's basically. Uh, it's, it's Luca on one ankle. I was going to say is the ankle injury. He was, he was, he said he wasn't even feeling good. He was limping through most of the day, but as soon as the game started, you wouldn't have known it. Yeah. And, and, and not only that, they didn't have poor Zingas. So it's all on Luca's back. And I don't think his supporting cast is any different than the Rockets supporting cast. Maybe, maybe it's even worse. The Rockets, I think have more veterans, which you would want in the playoffs, but Luca, you just watch him, and rarely do you see those mental mistakes. And you know what it is, Stephen? It's the ability in the playoffs to focus and not make those kind of mistakes for 48 minutes. You can't have 46 good minutes. You can't have 43 good minutes. You got to do it the entire game. And just watching Luca, it's just he is another level. People were angry because Bill Simmons says, well, his assist or great and James Harden's assist don't count. I don't know about that, but look, Luca is a better player than James Harden right now. And I, I I don't think there's any real controversy in that. Luca is smarter. He plays more focused for an entire basketball game. And when I watch that sort of, you know, it's attention to detail. When I see that in the playoffs, it matters. Well, you said the word Robert that was in my head and that's focus. And that's really what the difference. And that kind of goes back to what we said about Harden. And just the, the mental game is is a big part of it. And Luka Doncic, I mean, this is a younger guy. You know, James Harden has been in the league long enough. He should have his focus. Here's Luka Doncic that is as focused as any player I've seen. And he literally has been carrying the team. So, yeah, I, I can't argue with that. I mean, I wish I could find a flaw in what you said about who the better player is right now. But... It, it's hard for me to do that. You have to say that Luca is probably going to be the next big star in the NBA, along with the Greek freak at this point. Yeah, and I, I would take him over the Greek freak because Luca can shoot the basketball. I, I want to give the ball to Luca at the end of basketball games in the last two or three minutes and let yep. him control yep. everything. And yes, uh, the, the freak better defensively, but we know in basketball, offense is usually greater than defense. I mean, that's just, that's the way it is. I mean, that's the, there's a long history of that. Yeah. That was quite a, that was quite a game that uh, the Mavericks played. I wish I had seen the the actual comeback, but uh, I didn't get to see it till the fourth quarter. Yeah. And the Clippers came back from, I want to say 12 points in the fourth quarter and the Clippers, it wasn't like they were playing bad, but Paul George kind of disappeared. So he doesn't seem like this, you know, he's very much a Robin in that scenario. And, He's to me, he's, you know, he's on a, he's on the second tier when you talk about, you know, MVP candidates and the best players in the NBA. Did, did you have anything else on the Rockets? Cause I, I I'm done. I mean, I think we've, we've beaten this horse. I mean, it's, it's about James Harden. Simple as that. Yeah. I think we could, I mean, we could talk about this for the next two or three hours, but it would just revert back to the same thing. They, they just need to gather themselves together and they, they need to watch the film of the first two games, at least the good stuff that worked, and just get back to the basic fundamentals of the game that brought them to that 2-0 lead and and just quit. It, it's just like they were just throwing up shots willy-nilly, hoping they would fall, 
They've just got to be a, have a smarter philosophy. That's really all it boils down to. You know, it's about learning from mistakes, and it just seems like we've seen years and years and years of James Harden and Mike D'Antoni, and they, they make the same mistakes over and over and over again. We talk about insanity? Yeah. <laughs> what, isn't that the definition of insanity? Just keep doing the same thing over and over, hoping it'll work. But it's not working. Yeah. Let's Before we get into the smaller positives and negatives over the last week, Stephen, about the Astros, one thing we can say for sure about them, the Astros, they have been bad against you know, the good teams, and then they've beaten up the bad teams. So I don't know how you feel about it, but it looks like they're just an average to mediocre club. Is that fair? Yeah, I'd say that's fair. I mean, they're they're beating up on the teams that they're supposed to beat, the, the Giants and the Mariners, but they are 0-8 against teams that are 500 or better. Of course, the A's, who now have, a, what, a four-and-a-half game lead in the division, and uh, the Dodgers, and then they get swept by the Padres having trouble scoring runs. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't feel good about the Astros at this point. I know they've had a lot of injuries, and we could say that. But the fact is, you've got to beat the teams that you're going to be facing in the playoffs, or it's going to be one and done. They'll, they'll be in one series in the playoffs, and they're done. I still think that they're going to make the playoffs, but, at, you know, unless things start changing in the next few weeks, they're they're not going to go past the first round, I don't think. Looking forward, there is one major positive. As of Sunday morning, the Astros have the easiest schedule remaining of any American League team, according to win percentage. Well, that's definitely going to help because, like I said, they've been beating up on the teams that they're supposed to beat. But you like to see them do better against the good teams because, as we said, those are the ones you're going to face in the playoffs. And that's really going to determine how good a team you are. Now, if they could get some of these guys back healthy, I mean, I know Jordan's not coming back, but, you know, if, if... Bregman, I guess he's going to be out for two or three more weeks. Get him back. You know, the the season will be winding down almost at that point. But if we just get some of these guys healthy and more consistent, at least, you know, Jose Altuve looks like maybe he's come out of his funk and the pitching could just remain just do as, as well as it can with some of these young guys, then there's still hope. I mean, you know, like I said, they're going to make the playoffs. It's what they're going to do when they get there. And if you can't beat the good teams, it's just not a good sign. There was good news this week, and it's about the little man, Jose Altuve, over the last seven days. He's batting 300 with a 723 OPS. Some of those numbers were against a poor Rockies team and mile-high conditions, which, you know, say what you want about that, but at least we, we got a little positive stuff from Jose Altuve. Well, it's got to start somewhere, Robert, when you consider that he was just swinging at everything. I mean, I don't care what pitch you threw him. You, you could throw a pitch over his head to the backstop, and he'd swing at it. So whatever it takes to get him going, I don't, I don't care if it was in, at the Rockies or, you know, in a little league ballpark, at least get him going, and that's exactly what's happened. You just get that confidence back, then he can take the rest of it from there and, and make it good, and that's what he's been doing. Altuve, a slight positive, but I'm much more impressed with what I've seen from Kyle Tucker over the last week. It's not just his numbers, although they've been awesome. Over the last seven days, he's hitting 391 with a 1357 OPS. But Steven, Steven, he's swinging at better pitches, and he's taking the ball the opposite field, too. Well, that's really the key to me is not only should he swing at good pitches, but he needs to start hitting the field better. I think it was Sunday's game. I, I was I raised my eyebrows a little when Dusty put him in the cleanup spot, and I thought, boy, do you really want to do that? Well, he came out, and he still hit well there. So he's batted in several different spots of the lineup, 
if he could just, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, if Kyle, if Kyle Tucker can get his bat going, all the much better for the Astros, especially with the way things have been going lately with the injuries. So, yeah, if, if he could just continue to consistently do that, then maybe we will start seeing the Kyle Tucker consistently that we've been talking about for the last several years. All right, there's a topic that, that I've got to hit because... I know we've talked about this a bit, but I want to get into this more in depth, and that's Lance McCullers, who now has six starts. His ERA is 5.74. His whip is 1.309, not good at all. Steven, I know the thought is that he's coming off Tommy John's surgery, takes a little time to recover. I know some people are going to say he might need to find his rhythm, especially after this weird pandemic hiatus, and I, I get all that, but... I'm debating people on Twitter because I, I will flat out tell you that after, you know, watching McCullers 86 starts as a major leaguer, it's not 86. There's a pretty good sample size here. I don't think he has the control to be a starter. I don't think he has the second pitch to be a starter. He can't give you six or seven innings, which is important. Uh, he's a year and a half from free agency now, only a year and a half away. I'm not planning on Lance McCuller moving forward. Do you agree with me on that? Uh, you know, that's it's it's awfully a tough a tough thing to call, but I I would point one thing I would say in your favor is I would point to the 2017 playoffs when he came out of the bullpen and he looked very effective there. You know, that's a small sample size in and of itself, but I I think that adds some credence to what you're saying. I I just I first of all, I, you're not going to see it this year with with all the injuries and things going on. Lance McCullers is going to be a starter unless he just completely falls off the table, you know, in the next few starts or something, you know, then maybe they would consider it. Now, moving into next year, it's a possibility. And of course, a lot of that depends on who comes back. You know, are we going to get Verlander back? Is he going to be healthy? What other moves are they going to make with pitching? Are they going to have Urquidy? Is he going to be in the bullpen? Is he going to be a starter? But that might be a question that you will see more after this season and going into the next is, is Lance McCullers better in the bullpen, say as a, as a middle reliever, somebody who could give you two or three innings rather than a starter who goes four, maybe five, if you're lucky and just hasn't been effective. Certainly not this year. I'm going to circle back to the reliever conversation, but just let's look at him as a starter because that's what the Astros see him as right now. And they've seen him his entire career. And I want to play this game with you, Stephen. Next year, the Astros have seven potential starters. If Verlander isn't forced into Tommy John surgery, it's not a long injury or anything like that. He's still trying to get back this year, as we know. So which one of these pitchers do you trust less than Lance McCullers? Nobody's picking him over Verlander or, or, or Granke. Uh, Stephen, do you like McCullers over Urquidy? Do you think he's better long-term? Than Jose Arquiti? I would say no, not just from the sample size. I mean, with Arquiti, it's it's kind of hard to tell, but I would say no at this point. Yeah, Arquiti, incredible control. He was big in the clutch last year in the playoffs. I love Arquiti. What about Christian Javier? Do you did you like McCullers over Christian Javier? No, definitely not. Definitely not. No. Yeah, much better stuff. Uh, also. You know, it seems like he's got a better control moving forward. He's a young guy. We're going to see. But what about Framber Valdez, who, you know, he's had uh, some similar issues where the control issues and that, that sort of thing. Do you like Framber Valdez 
more going forward, or do you like Lance McCullers? Well, I, the jury is still out on Fromber, but I have to say this year it sure seems like he is putting it together finally. I mean, he's had more consistent starts this year than he ever has. So if, if you ask me to go on what I'm seeing right now this season, I would say Fromber over Lance McCullers, yes. Right, and I, and I just think that as, as long as we're seeing Fromber with a little bit better control like he's had this year, He's got more pitches. I mean, Fromber's got yeah. some great stuff. Absolutely. His stuff is electric. I mean, yeah, yeah, players like Mike Trout commenting on Fromber Valdez's stuff, that's saying something right there. So he just needs to get the consistency. And maybe the talk Dusty Baker had with him, or maybe just more experience, whatever it is, Fromber, keep it up because the, the Astros certainly need it. So that this is what we know. We know that Verlander and Granke are definitely better than McCullers. And you and I definitely feel like Urquidy, Javier, Fromber, all potentially better than McCullers. That's five starters right there. Now, maybe you take him over Belak, who's in the conversation, but I'll argue that McCullers is a fourth or fifth starter at best. I'll never go to Vegas and bet a dollar <laughs> on McCullers being a top three starter on a championship team. Is he a top three starter on the Royals right now, sure, but are, are, do you want to be the Royals? No. You need him this year with everything going on. You got to have him. But moving forward, Stephen, McCullers doesn't cut it. Well, and you keep waiting for him to, Robert. I mean, you hear so much about you know his pitches and, and things of that nature, but yeah, he just hasn't. And honestly, he hasn't been healthy enough. You know, I think that's the other factor. We've talked about his health, but let's look at it this way. In his whole career, he just hasn't been healthy enough to put together a full season as a starter. So that in itself makes you wonder, maybe he is better for the bullpen. Fewer innings, putting in much better spots perhaps, maybe that would actually help his overall health instead of trying to make him, you know, a 180, 200 inning pitcher a year because he just isn't doing that. And Steven, when he goes to the bullpen, if he does that, he can just start firing curveballs. You don't need a secondary pitch. You're not going to go through the lineup more than once. Uh, the control issues, I think, are a lot of times with the other pitches, especially the fastball. I believe he could be a reliever, but his control could be that issue that holds him back even there. And then the other thing, Stephen, is he gets upset when you even suggest him coming out of the bullpen. Well, but he's got to learn, like so many other pitchers learn, is that you, you need to be where the team needs you most. And look, if they need him most in the bullpen, that's where he needs to be. And I, I think that's a maturity issue as much as anything. I, I don't, I mean, I know Lance is a very competitive guy and that's great, but you need to channel that competitiveness in the right way. And he just needs to learn, look, if, if it's better that we put him in the bullpen and make him a, a long reliever, middle reliever, what have you, then that's what he needs to do. So that's just something we have to keep an eye on is how would he handle something like that? If Dusty decides at some point, whether it's later this season or next season, and, and I would think if any decision is going to be made, it's going to be next year and not this season, unless something really drastic happens. And that's my point of why I don't think Lance McCullers is here moving forward, because they have five better options now. Again, Verlander and Granke, we know they could move on. So you might want to keep Lance McCullers around the following year. But say you did decide him to move him to the bullpen next year because you didn't feel like he was a top five starter. Well, he might look at that and say, okay, well, I don't want to be here 
the year after. They, they, they see me as a bullpen guy moving forward. And Lance might just say, well, I'm going to go. He might say, I would rather get paid starter money in some smaller market where they've got a little bit more money to spend on a guy that I, I just feel like is a very mediocre pitcher. And that's fair. And, and look, you know, everybody wants to play. Nobody likes sitting on the bench. Everybody wants to play. And if he feels like he can do that, then more power to him. But I, I certainly don't think the Astros are going to roll out the red carpet for him. If they do put him in the bullpen, they're certainly not going to pay him top dollar to be in the bullpen, especially if, if a lot of these young guys continue to perform this year and into next year, that bullpen is going to be awful darn crowded. You know, where are you going to find room for a Lance, uh, Lance McCullers going down the line? I hope our friend Voltaire Cortez, who's argued with me about McCullers on Twitter, is, is listening to this. <laughs> We're both ganging up on him, aren't we? Yeah, it's, uh, it's just, I mean, I just feel like the way I feel about Lance McCullers, and I love the guy. I love him as a person. I love him in the oh, community. Too. Yeah. And, 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 he's, and he's a loyal Astro already, and he loves this community. So you, you can't dislike, this isn't personal. And I will say this, Robert, I, I still think that it does, it just from so many of the pitchers that I've observed who've had Tommy John surgery and coming back, I, I just think it takes a full year. And, and now we're in a weird situation where it's not even really a full year because you had a, a start of spring training and then a shutdown and then a restart. So I, I do think that that is a factor. But but your argument is sound. I mean, if you're looking at the sample size, it's it's large enough. But I just think the biggest question with Lance as a starter, not only his control, but just being able to consistently pitch the type of innings that you need from a starter because he's not healthy. He just hasn't been doing that. So there are a number of ways to look at it. And it, it's, you know, I'd like to I'd like to buck you and have a great debate about it. But it, it's a pretty sound argument at this point. All right. Here's another guy that we got to look at down the road and what his future is. And that's George Springer, who's hitting 200 with a 728 OPS, not George Springer numbers. He's going to be 31 years old this offseason. The free agent market isn't likely a good one in a pandemic economy. Owners are taking a bath this year. I doubt people are rushing back to the ballparks next year, even with a vaccine. Baseball is going to struggle, not just this year. I am confident of that, if I'm George Springer, Stephen, I'm in conversation with the Astros about an extension right now before his value drops even further as this thing goes along. Yeah, that's certainly true. This was a big year for him, and not only are his numbers low, but he's had you know injury problems with the wrist, and that's put him out. So, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting free agent offseason, hot stove league, with just seeing what happens. Are these owners going to step up and pay some big money, or are you going to see a lot of cutting back, pulling back? And George Springer would be, you know, and then you have Michael Brantley. You have Josh Reddick, you know, also going on the free agent. The, the Astros outfield, it, it is, to me, the biggest question that the team has right now is who are they going to retain, who, who do they want to retain, and who are they going to let walk because they don't have a lot of depth in the outfield to begin with. Right. And the good news for them is they've got a little bit from the kid this week. I mean, he's looked good. Got his first home run in San Diego. Uh, Taylor Jones, I'm talking about. It's Taylor Jones, right? Taylor Jones. Taylor Jones. Yeah. 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 I, I said that and it's all these Taylors and Brandons and everybody. They're kind of all <laughs> running together, but they've got something from him, which is a positive. Maybe he can give you something. And if Jordan gets back and you get the Kyle Tucker that we're seeing 
in the last week. We're, we're, we see more of that Kyle Tucker. Then all of a sudden, it doesn't look so bad, the outfield, uh, because frankly, I think the Astros in the perfect situation would love it if the DH isn't somebody that you pay for a DH like Jordan. So his knees have, but his knees have got to get better. And that that's big, that's big to that whole equation. Yeah, that, that really is. I, I mean, the best case scenario is you have Jordan's knees finally get repaired. He can play better outfield and, and more consistently play in the outfield. And then Tucker can continue to do what he's doing and play the outfield. Now, Taylor Jones has mostly been a first baseman. He would have to convert and, and get a lot more work in the outfield, I think, before the Astros would be willing to put him out there. But, you know, if, if he can continue to hit, and if he could at least learn one of the corner outfield positions, then all the better. I mean, it just in any scenario would be a good scenario of any of these guys going into next year. But you also would have him as an option at DH, too. That's the good thing. thing with you him. would, if he can consistently be the kind of hitter that you need at DH. Yes, absolutely. Right. And, you know, I was looking at the Astros offensive rankings compared to the rest of Major League Baseball. What's been very interesting is as far as average and home runs, they're number 19th. They're near the bottom. As far as slugging, 18th. OPS, 17th. They're bottom of the half in all of those categories. Runs, though, they're number seven. RBIs, they're number six. What do these numbers tell us? It says the Astros have been clutch, and I double-checked, and only two teams, Stephen, have left fewer runners in scoring position per game. Well, that's interesting, too, because they, they have had some games where they didn't exactly get the runners in scoring position, but it's it's the overall big picture, and that combined with the kind of pitching that these young guys have given us, that, you know, that's that's been a big deal. So, yeah, not customary numbers when you're talking about home runs and uh, things of that nature. But, hey, you know, it, it's still the season has still got a ways to go. So perhaps the home runs will go up a little bit. It can be even better that the Astros can start getting all the offensive numbers going just in time for the playoffs. The last numbers that I have are on the Astros pitchers where they rank ERA, they're number eight. So they've been still fantastic with all the injuries again it's the the brilliance of Brent Strom strikeouts their 14th whip their 17th so they're doing what the hitters are doing they're doing it in the clutch they're you know they're putting guys on base you know it seems like they walk a lot Stephen but they they get out of it yeah they make it a little too exciting but yeah they they do have find ways to get out of it and I always think that's the mark of a good pitcher I think that that gives you as much mental focus as anything is if you can work out of jams you don't want to get too used to that. Put yourself in a lot of jams. But if you can figure out how to work out of it, then I think that makes you mentally stronger, especially with a lot of these young guys. There's going to be some stress on this pitching staff all of a sudden because they're going to have a lot of games jammed into a short amount of time because of the hurricanes we got coming towards Houston. They just did the reschedule. Uh, we're recording this uh, before the series starts early this week, but you know, right now they've got a game Monday night, they've got a doubleheader on Tuesday, and they've got an early game on Wednesday. So basically four games in less than 48 hours with a pitching staff that's, you know, we've seen that's just, uh, it, it's it's running on a thread right now. Yeah, they're clearly trying to get some games out of the way in case uh, the Hurricanes do come through back to back and uh, would make things really difficult. So uh, hopefully that won't put too much stress on the pitching staff. You certainly don't need any more injuries than what they already have. I don't have anything else on the Astros. I, I just I look at this weekend and it was a bad weekend, and as good a week as it was last week with the Houston teams, 
you know, the Astros lose the three close games in San Diego. Uh, the Rockets, uh, we we talked about what's happened to them the last couple of games. The the one thing that I, I mean, I, I feel like it's a broken record, but Dusty frustrates the hell out of me. I mean, talk about, you know, every game counts. If you're the Astros, I, I mean, I, I hear people on Twitter, well, everybody gets into the playoffs. But look, I mean, Yuli Gurriel, it wasn't just the fact that they didn't play him when he was red hot coming out of the Colorado games. I mean, basically Dusty iced him because he hasn't been good since he's been back in the lineup Saturday and Sunday. But it's also the fact that, Stephen, he didn't pinch hit him late in that game, and it was a close game. And there was so many at-bats that, boy, if if, if Yuli was in the lineup, if Dusty had put Yuli in the lineup, uh, they would have scored a couple of times early in that game because there were times where they just need to get the bat on the ball with the runner on third base. And they get a run or two, and that's all it was. That was the difference in the ball game. Yeah, and in that game, I think he had two opportunities to pinch hit late in the game uh, to use Gurriel in those spots and uh, bypassed them both. But I think that's what really struck me, Robert, is that he just he didn't play him, and Gurriel was probably the hottest bat in the lineup, certainly one of them. So I think that's what raised my eyebrows more than anything. Yeah, and I get it that you know he's not a kid; he's thirty-seven years old. But it is a sixty-game season, though. I mean, this isn't, there's a big difference here, I think. Yep. And you took the words right out of my mouth. That's exactly what I was about to say. It's a 60 game season and you could, you could DH him. That's the great thing about the American league. Dusty maybe hasn't played in the American league for a while now. (laughs) Yeah, maybe that's it. He's trying to learn AL ball. Well, before we close things out, I just want to remind everybody, we'd love your feedback, suggestions, questions, or topics. Let us know what you think. We want to hear from you. If you're on Twitter and you're, arguing with me, you know, send us a voice message because this is this is the format that we love. We want to be able to expand out our thoughts. You know, you just don't, you know, sports a lot of times, it's not as simple as 280 characters. So let us know what you think. Message us through Twitter. You can also send us a, a message through Facebook uh, or email us info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. Share us, share our links, uh, you know, do whatever you can to uh, let everybody know about that we're, the fact that we're out there as a show and that you're enjoying us. Stay healthy and safe, everybody. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.